You're listening to the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega Podcast on the Odyssey Robots Radio Network. Yo, 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 yo. It is I, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega. Coming to you with episode number 15 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. This is a show where we sensationalize the everyday, talk about uh, random mundane occurrences that have taken place lately within the life of myself, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, and various thoughts, reflections, observations I have on those occurrences and any number of other meandering ramblings. I really, I honestly, have no idea what this show is about or why it exists, but here we are. <laughs> Much like life itself, I suppose. Um, and speaking of life, um, things are coming back to life here in the Northern California region in which I reside after several weeks of increasingly uh, bad air quality. We're on green now. I got every window in the house open as I'm recording this. It's uh, I, I can breathe again. Just just as I I was feeling my lungs begin to collapse, uh, the air came back to breathability, um, and not a moment too soon. And so concludes another chapter in the. Uh, Latest of the endless OMG 2020 Am I Right uh, calamities uh, that seem to have befallen us in the last six months. But honestly, with stuff, especially like with these fires going back for years now. Um, of course, in the wake of um, all of the fire mayhem, you will get um, the obligatory chorus of people that live in this area that are now pondering whether they can move away from these troubles, whether much like the uh, Okies of the Dust Bowl era, they can go seek their fortune in California, but it won't be California this time around. I guess they're going to move to Michigan or something. But it seems pretty clear with these environmentally tinged disasters that there's no real moving away from them because it's just going to continue to encroach wherever you go. I mean, some area may not have a fire now or fire issues now, but maybe it will a year from now or maybe some other bizarre uh, weather event. Uh, What what was that Midwestern one? A derecho? Shout out to uh, Eric Purcell in Iowa. Um, Yeah, you're not going to run away from this stuff. You know, it's here to stay. Um, And it keeps, uh, when I think about this, when I think about this idea of people trying to um, outrun environmental calamity, it keeps bringing me back to um, the Mad Max movie franchise. Um, in particular, really, Fury Road, which, man, that turned out to be a uh, prescient film. I looked it up uh, when I, right before I started recording this, and yeah, it came out in 2015. So it, it even when it came out, a lot of the stuff it was depicting, which seems even more real now, hadn't quite come into full swing. But I remember when watching that film, you know, apart from just being blown away, what a well, well-crafted, well-made piece of cinema it was, that everything in it, I felt like, this just feels really familiar. It feels like, the, you know, this is something that could happen. And again, I, it's not like I believe that, you know, somehow reality is going to conform to what was portrayed in a... Is that a sci-fi film, I guess? I don't know. 
someone's probably going to get mad about that uh, classification. <laughs> anyway, you know, I, I'm not saying that, um, oh, because I saw this in a movie, it's going to happen. But it is interesting how um, on the pulse of our current world um, that film was with the combination of sort of environmental catastrophe and um, social collapse and uh, the rise of charismatic fascism. Um, it's if you look back at that movie, it's amazing what a Trumpian character Immortan Joe is because he's this just complete, uh, vulgarian dullard who, um, is just a weak specimen and rotting yet puts on that breastplate that makes him look all buffed. Kind of like when they have those Trump as Rambo, <laughs> uh, images, but, uh, you know, just this sad sack um, of a man, um, but who has these um, just kind of pathetic uh, weaklings under his thrall. Um, and he has absolutely no, uh, could care less about their well being, <laughs> health or well being or safety. Um, yet they are just in love with him. And, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's their hero. Little did we know we were, you know, a year away from uh, that becoming the reality of our own politics here in the United States. There was a classic moment of uh, a Morton Joe Trumpism uh, the other day when uh, someone was asking him about um, the safety issues of holding, you know, an indoor event with a bunch of unmasked uh, cretins. And uh, his response was, well, well, I'm seated far away from them. <laughs> so stew on that for a minute. But uh, anyway, looking at that movie and looking at a world that's that ravaged, and I'm not saying ours is or will be, you know, it's just like it's a cautionary tale of where things could, you know, in theory head at some point down the line. It's not inconceivable. And always, you know, I wonder, and this goes back to the trying to run away from environmental collapse, like what um, at a certain point, how do people in a Mad Max type situation stay motivated? Like, if the world was that bad, would you really, like, keep scrapping and clawing and fighting to stay alive in it? I don't know if I would. I, I Like, I, I feel like at a certain point, rather than try to run away or move or get in the car and peel out, I'd just kind of kick it here and, you know, hang out as long as I could and wait till someone feels the need to come along and, and ends me or, you know, the, uh, the toxic wasteland swallows me up or whatever. You know, <laughs> like, at what point... I, does life become not worth uh, fighting for? I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, that also makes me realize with all the, the things that have gone on in the last year or few years, um, how lucky those of us who, um, you know, live in the United States or other similar environs have been over the course of our lifetime to um, really expect things to be um, non-tumultuous or non uh chaotic. I mean, I'm 44 years old. And for most of those 44 years, I've been able to wake up every morning and assume that the lights are going to turn on when I switch on the light switch, that the water is going to come out of the tap when I turn the handle, uh, that I'm not going to be attacked or, you know, have some strange thing happen to me in my home. Um, that's not normal, you know? I mean, it is normal for us, but it's not over the course of human history, world history, even current world events. Like, that, that's not something that uh, everyone is fortunate enough to experience. 
So I feel like it's kind of important to keep that in mind and uh, keep context with what's going on lately in our slightly more tumultuous world. Um, For those of us that weren't experiencing tumult previously, (laughs) just kind of try to remember that there's other people in the world who have and are experiencing the same, if not much worse, and probably for a lot longer. Other people even in this uh, country. Um, We can get through this. We will get through this. um, And also just try to keep in mind the many years that um, people like myself have been so fortunate really is through the power of uh, social infrastructure, of institutions. And uh, we... Of course, there's always room for these things to improve, and uh, there are certainly institutions that have failed us in this country and in this world. But, you know, having a functional uh, postal system is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Having uh, clean drinking water, that's probably a positive. (laughs) Having uh, efficient and affordable public utilities, uh, I can't see how that is um, a bad thing. And all of these things actually engender uh, freedom and liberty and the ability to uh, live a life that you uh, choose to live. The opposite, you're out there fighting for the scraps. So uh, I think sometimes there's a American tendency to be sort of anarchic and anti laws and regulation, actual law and order, not some bizarre um, fascistic uh, police state law and order, but like, you know, actually like, you know, respectfully uh, uh, following rules and regulations so that everyone can live together in kind of a harmonious Starfleet sort of way. Um, There tends to be sort of a reaction against that. And I think maybe we should look to um, a potentially fast approaching Mad Max future and, uh, Determine that's probably not, I don't know, it's not what I want. Maybe it's what you want. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, just been thinking about that in the wake of uh, all that has been going on. With that said, um, I will just plug very briefly here that if you would like to connect on Twitter, you can follow me at Sensational Vega, and I will follow you back. You can send me a friend request over on Facebook. I am uh, Gino Vega over there. Um, If you would like to support what we do here at the IC Robots Radio Network, you can join our Patreon over at supportthereport.com. It's uh, from back in the day when uh, IC Robots Radio began with the Toys R Us Report podcast, hence supportthereport.com. For as little as $1 a day, you gain access to all uh, Patreon-exclusive content and you help support what we do here at the network. So if you'd like to hear more meandering talk about nothing on my end or uh, more um, well-produced uh, snappy podcasts from IC Robots, toss us a buck and we'll keep it coming. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about Cobra Kai and Relativity. <laughs>
Okay, we are back with this uh, 15th episode of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. And I recently finished, as I it seems many people out there have been, uh, finished watching the entirety of what is out there so far of the television series Cobra Kai over on Netflix. And I have to give a quick shout out to... People like uh, Icy Robots, Um, there were some other people out there too, Um, years ago when the show originally aired on YouTube uh, that really talked it up and recommended it. And it was always on my list of things to check out at some point in the future, but that list moves at a relatively glacial pace, unfortunately, um, due to everything else usually going on um, in my day-to-day life, I'm not able to get to as many television programs and other uh, artistic entertainment uh, content um, as I'd like to. But anyway, uh, always intended to get around to watching Cobra Kai. Like I imagine many people, I never got around to pulling the trigger on the paid YouTube uh original content platform, which is probably why YouTube is no longer, uh, as far as I know, doing original content on their paid platform and why Cobra Kai uh, migrated over to Netflix. But anyway, I got in on the Netflix hype uh, of the show and sat down and watched the first two seasons over the course of, I think, like two days. Uh, Burned through it really quick. Anyway, in short, I um, just want to say I I was just completely... uh, Blown away with how excellent, in my opinion, that show is. Um, Again, I'd heard it was good, and I assumed that there's no way it would be bad. It'd be like a fun little fan service romp back into the world of Karate Kid, and I was in the exact age demo for the original movie when it first came out. I remember that movie just being life-changing for me um, at the time. Um, But I did not really understand just how... um, excellently um, the show not only uh, revisited the uh, source material but really built on it to a level that uh, who could have even thought was possible Um, and really I think the magic of the show as most people seem to uh, agree is the relativity that Cobra Kai brings to the Karate Kid universe. The fact that uh, in this show, characters whose, um, as they would call it in professional wrestling, uh, heelish or babyface, good guy or bad guy tendencies were so set in stone, um, are just upended, turned on their ear, and we're forced to think about the characters in brand new ways and to see that uh, there are multiple ways to look at each character's story in the Karate Kid universe. And really, um, similarly, uh, people's stories in real life as well. Now, I'm going to try to uh, talk a little bit about relativity as it pertains to Cobra Kai and life in general. And I'm going to try to do so without um, doing much in the way of spoiling anything from the show, in case uh, anyone listening to this has not yet watched the show. A little side on spoilers. I, I, it, it's always an interesting thing. Um, I know some people get very up in arms about spoilers, and I understand. But I feel like there needs to be some level of... Uh, Context, I guess, when it comes to spoilers. Um, 
I understand if there's a movie that's just come out or a television show uh, that's just aired. Probably not the coolest thing to just be like blaring out into the stratosphere um, exactly what happened. At the same time, I sometimes see people get angry about people, quote unquote, spoiling, you know, live events, sporting events, like uh, baseball or football games, even like wrestling, big wrestling pay-per-views and stuff. And when it comes to those live events, I, I just feel like they're, because what you are spoiling, the results are so immediate and it's part of this communal live experience and people are live tweeting along with these shows that in that case, if it's something you're not going to be able to watch live and you're going to try to get to later, it's kind of, I just feel like it's kind of on you to, I mean, let's put it this way. If there's a sporting event or a live event that I'm not going to be able to watch live, I basically delete all my social media apps off my phone until I'm uh, able to watch it because I just realize there's no way I'm going to avoid quote unquote spoilers. So I don't really think you can spoil live events. Um, I mean, you can, but I don't think you, people should be held culpable for supposedly spoiling live events. Um, so with television shows, it gets dicey with something like Cobra Kai that actually has been around for years at a certain point, you know, it's just going to be out there in, in the uh, ether with Cobra Kai. It's a little bit different because it's kind of, the show's sort of gotten new life, um, just now. And so it is kind of a new show for a lot of people, but I mean, I've seen people get mad about someone spoiling the Sopranos, you know, a show that's been gone for 10 years or whatever. And I don't know in that case, uh. I feel like it's it's fair spoiling game. But anyway, we're not going to spoil Cobra Kai here other than to say that, um, and I don't think this is a surprise to anyone, the show really plays with our perceptions of the characters from the original movie. And just to, as a uh, snapshot, you know, anyone who was a kid and watched uh, Karate Kid, Daniel LaRusso was the uh, pure picked-upon uh, hero and Johnny was the clear-cut, malevolent uh, antagonist. When we watch Cobra Kai, uh, we start to see things more from Johnny's perspective. And while he certainly is not a saint and uh, did some questionable things in the original movie and even in the, in the Cobra Kai series, you start to realize that there are reasons behind some of his actions and uh, ways to view what he uh, does or has done um, that show him in a different light than we might have thought back in 1983 or whenever that movie first came out. And similar with Daniel, we start to see he's maybe not what we thought he was originally as well. And what the show really does a good job about, it'd be one thing, it'd be, it would have been kind of entertaining, but uh, not as uh, impactful had the show simply flipped the two characters. Now, oh, okay, you know, Johnny was actually 100% in the right, 100% likable, great guy, and... Daniel's like the scum of the earth, worst worst guy ever, etc. Instead, the the show kind of like uh, puts them both kind of in the middle. Like neither one is a hundred percent likable or um, uh, defensible. Yet neither one is just unabashedly um, horrendous. Well, so <laughs> some people might argue. I know in my household, there's there's some people that are not Daniel fans, but uh, we can set that aside for now. So what's the point to all this? What, is, what does it uh, tell us about our own lives? I guess it's seeing these characters and having so many more dimensions added to them and their stories 
is a reminder that in life, many things are relative. And I don't mean some sort of extreme relativity where there's no no ethics, no morals, anything goes. I just mean that topics um, and events are usually incredibly more complicated than our culture allows us to see them as. And when you're making judgments out in the world, it's probably good to keep kind of more of an open mind, more open of a mind than we're often encouraged to keep. And to remember that everyone comes to a situation with their own baggage, their own biases. And uh, again, I feel like our culture here in the United States, where I am, uh, tends to kind of uh, bristle at this idea. Um, It's really inherent in the culture, this fantasy that anyone is capable of operating without a bias. Um, I mentioned, I think, in the last episode that I am not a fan of this idea of um, objective journalism. And it's not because I think that journalism or media content should be uh, propaganda or not based on some level of uh, factual analysis. But I reject it more in the sense that I don't believe such a thing exists. Anytime you approach anything you're coming at it from a point of view. You're not uh, this objective uh, entity that exists outside of time, space, history. Everyone um, has a point of view and is coming from that point of view. Even to to uh, insist that you're coming from an objective point of view, you've already made a decision that you are um, coming from a point of view supposedly of objectivity. And I think when we try to deny bias or we refuse to reflect on our own bias, our own point of view, um, we do so at our own peril. And again, bias, uh, that it doesn't necessarily, it's not something that's negative. It's just a fact. And we get to see this in Cobra Kai um, as an observer observing the observations of both Johnny and Daniel. And we see how each character, um, how their background, how their history colors the way they see the world um, and creates justifications um, for each of them for why their actions and their decisions rather uh, are actually righteous ones, um, even though they might not seem that way to the other. Now, imagine if both Daniel and Johnny, and now this wouldn't make for good drama, so I'm not suggesting this take place in the show, but imagine if Daniel and Johnny um, took some time to reflect on both their own bias and understand the bias or point of view of the other. Um, They probably could avoid or have avoided a lot of angst that they have experienced over the decades um, since their rivalry first began. Um, And this is something that we can really transfer into our own lives, I believe. Um, I've thought about this topic before over the years, um, but of course watching Cobra Kai made me think about it once again. And I was thinking back to some of my own um, Karate Kid-esque experiences um, growing up. Um, 
As a child, I certainly identified with the Daniel character. I was kind of a dweebish kid who uh, moved from a town where I fit in and had friends to a new place, um, to an affluent uh, area where I myself, our family was not affluent. Um, you know, so I, I received some of that Daniel treatment in elementary school. Um, the uh, uh, proverbial 1980s style bullying and such. And uh, in the heat of that moment, it's very easy to um, assume that the individuals that are tormenting you are just inherently malevolent creatures and that you yourself are this um, just completely righteous victim. Um, and that was how Daniel was portrayed in the original Karate Kid movie, and that is how I myself felt um, at times as a child. However, um, looking back, there's some interesting things. There's one story that stands out in my mind where um, when I was in junior high school, I had this guy that was uh, always menacing me. And um, I feel like things have changed a bit um, when I look at my own children's uh, school experience. But back in my day, um, you got messed with at school, and then usually the mess E was the one that the, the teachers got angry with. Um, so, like, for instance, I had um, this guy was always uh, menacing me in woodshop class. But then I was also completely inept at woodshop, so the teacher already hated me. And then when there'd be some dust-up, because I was getting, like, beat up or pushed around, he would just notice that there was a dust-up. And who's in the center of the dust-up? Well, Morris is in the center of the dust-up. That's my real last name. <laughs> and Morris sucks at woodshop, and Morris is annoying, so Morris is going to the office and getting chewed out. Um, I remember the, the best uh, time that that ever happened was um, uh, this dude was... Uh, doing his usual thing of uh, messing with me in woodshop. And he was just like punching me and glued this piece of paper to my back uh, that said, I'm gay and I have AIDS. And I got sent to the office for that with the sign, <laughs> with the sign uh, glued to my back. And then the vice principal wanted to know uh, what, was, you know, what my problem was, why I was causing so much uh, disturbance in woodshop. Um, nowadays it's funny because like th that kind of stuff doesn't really seem to happen, at least with my kids. Maybe they're just cooler than I was. Maybe they're out there doing it to other kids. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, they're the, they're the ones. But anyway, the point of the story is, so this guy was just a, a thorn in my side for years and I just despised him. And then, um, one day years later, when I had turned 21 and was uh, still taken with the novelty of going to bars, um, Ms. Sensational and I, we were not married, but we lived together in an apartment, and it was uh, near a bar in Santa Rosa in walking distance that we would frequent regularly. And the woodshop guy um, was the uh, doorman for the bar. He was the guy that checked your ID when you walked in. And the first time that I went down there and saw him working the door... He was like, oh, hey, what's up, man? I remember you. And I was like, I remember you, too. You used to make my life a living hell. And he was like, oh, I'm really sorry about that. It just like it, it uh, mortifies me to even think about that. And dude practically had like tears coming to his eyes. And I was just sort of taken aback because I don't, I don't know. I guess I expected him to try to like glue another sign to my back or something. But just this like completely different person um, from what I'd known in junior high school was presenting himself. 
And so I just felt compelled to let it go. And um, he and I actually became uh, pretty good friends after that. And of course, you know, as I got to know him better, it became clear that he had a lot of personal issues, particularly when he was growing up. And, you know, it was almost like my own real life uh, episode of uh, Cobra Kai. I got to see, you know, um, the things that had been going on in his life that led him to behave in such a way. And it wasn't, it really was not because he was just some inherently evil individual. People have reasons for why they, they act the way they act. And it doesn't justify the way they act in the moment, but it kind of, if we can understand why they're acting that way, it kind of gives us room to uh, get past it, kind of get over it, um, let go of those bad feelings and, and kind of come to a place of peace. And that's where I came to with him. Um, on the flip side, thinking about him made me think back to... Um, some of my own behavior as a young person and start to see these moments where as a uh, bullied individual, I then kind of learned that behavior and, you know, that stuff flows downhill. I would do it to other, uh, other kids. Um, and I, I don't mean that like, I, I wasn't like some hardcore, uh, bully. I'm not even like, you know, I, even if I wanted to, I couldn't pull it off in most cases, but I do, I definitely remember times when I was in school where I would kind of, see a kid that uh, was weaker than me even, and I don't even necessarily mean physically, but just in a, in a, in a even more disenfranchised position than I was. And I wasn't above like, you know, kind of, what's up, loser? <laughs> you know, it's sort of like uh, throwing some of that down their way myself. And I'm sure looking back, any anyone that I did that to, you know, in their mind, I was as awful heel. In my mind, it was like, well, dude, people do this to me. So it's like, okay, for me, you know, I need to do it too, you know, to somehow uh, retain the cosmic balance, you know. But uh, so yeah, I mean, bad behavior usually comes from understandable, if not excusable. Well, it's not that the circumstances are excusable, but bad behavior is not necessarily excusable or isn't excusable, but we can understand why it happens. And if we understand why it happens, maybe we can like kind of get past it and, and, and get to that place of understanding. And this concept of relativity, it's not just about like uh, one person's bully is another person's uh, uh, reasonable individual. It, it, it extends to everything, like everything that we believe, the way we approach every situation, there's a bias behind it. And that bias is the aggregate of our personal history and experiences. And if we can kind of try to keep that in mind, when we approach situations and we feel very vehemently about things, we can maybe sort of uh, self-reflect and kind of explore whether that vehemence is, is really justified, whether it's something that we can temper, whether we can let it go a bit, whether we can make space for other people's vehemence, um, and also allows us to understand why they feel vehemently about something. I, just, I feel like in so many conflicts, I just don't understand why people care so much. I don't mean why people care so much if it's something that's like a true matter of life or death or, you know, some really clear-cut, uh, oppressive thing that they're facing, but ju just in normal dust-ups, like, uh, I want to be able to do X. No, but I want to be able to do Y. Who cares? Let it go. You know, I mean, why? I, I just don't understand the need for 
for so much conflict, so much of the time, and, and just what motivates people to uh, want to be so belligerent all the time. Um, but there's always a reason behind it. And if we can understand those reasons, maybe we can tone it down a little bit, enjoy life more, and all get along. I feel like I've been uh, harping on this the last couple episodes, but I just, I, man, there's just so much belligerence and negativity in the world right now. And I feel like so much of it just doesn't need to happen. And I just feel like one of the clearest cut antidotes to this is just people, myself included, taking a moment to self-reflect and just uh, spend a little less time um, inflictively getting in people's faces and a little more time getting in our own face and asking ourselves why we feel the way we do about certain things and whether we need to and uh, whether there's room to listen to other people. And I think there is, and I hope there is. And I will continue to try to do my best uh, to live up to that idea. And uh, maybe you will too. Who knows? Um, That's about it for this uh, episode of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. Um, Please, if you haven't already, do yourself a favor. Check out Cobra Kai. It is well worth the time and money um, to get a Netflix subscription and sit there and burn through the two seasons and look forward to the third season that is coming down the pike, I believe, next year. It's a great show. Um, it's a great meditation on relativity and interpersonal conflict and how pretty much everyone, except maybe Crease, uh, has their own, um, has their demons to fight, but has their redemptive qualities as well. So until next time, uh, yeah, uh, have a good one. Talk to you soon. Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, signing off. I'm biased because I knew it all along. Hindsight bias, I knew it all along. I'm biased because I put you in a category which you may or may not belong. Representativeness, bias, don't stereotype this song I'm biased because of a small detail that throws off the big picture of a thing Anchoring, bias, see the forest for the trees I'm biased toward the first example that comes to mind Availability, bias, to the first thing that comes to mind Oh, bias, don't let bias Bias, don't try this, it'll influence your thinking And memories don't mess with these But you're guilty of distorted thinking Cognitive to bias, your mind becomes blinded Decisions and problems, you've been forced to solve them wrongly I'm biased because I'll only listen to what I agree Confirmation bias, you never mind if you are this I'm biased because I take credit for success, but no blame for failure Self-serving bias, my success and your failure I'm biased when I remember things the way I would have expected them to be Expectancy bias, false memories are shaped by these I'm biased because I think my opinion now 
my opinion then Self-consistency bias But you felt different way back when Oh, bias Don't let bias in your mind Bias, don't try this It lends you into your thinking And memories don't mess with these The guilty of distorted thinking Cognitive bias Problems you've been forced to solve them all.